Zegui, the meaning of the word is actually the journey home. And I felt that coming back into this industry is coming home to my heritage and coming home to nail salons is how I look at nail polish and this entire industry. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. On the podcast this week is Audrey Sue, the founder and CEO of Vaquay. And Vaquay is a nine free, non toxic, cruelty free, vegan nail care company. And it's really inspired by Audrey's family's nail care heritage and industry experience. Audrey has really curated and created these really wonderful beauty products in a way that is more like a historian than a beauty brand founder. And at Vaquay, they're not just serious about nail care. They're really the keepers of the artisan's legacy that came before them. And every facet of the Vaquay brand and product serves as a palette to express this rich heritage. And their color collection and product feature are carefully curated to tell a story of places, cultures, and histories that inspire. I first connected with Audrey earlier this spring, and she is by far one of the kindest and most dedicated women that I've had the pleasure to meet since starting Seek the Joy podcast and her commitment to changing the conversation in nail care while really remaining connected to her culture and honoring her heritage is really inspiring. And on today's episode, we chat all about how Audrey's exploration of that culture and heritage led her to creating Vaquay. We also talk about the impact that growing up in the nail care industry has had on her and how an appreciation of her family's rich heritage has really impacted and molded her perspective and worldview when it comes to family and joy and everything in between. We also chat about the inspiration behind the name of her brand, how she's named each of her colors, her favorite polish at the moment, and we chat about the incredible collaborations that she's been part of this year. From J. Crew to Greta Gerwig, Audrey and Vaquay are really just getting started. Okay, so I tried my very first Vaquay polish a couple months back and I went with this really pretty pink color called Princess and I can't wait to expand my Vaquay collection and I can't wait for you guys to try Vaquay too. And in celebration of this week's new episode, Audrey and Vaquay have been so generous to offer Seek the Joy podcast listeners with a code for 15% off our purchase. So just head to vaquay.com and enter the code seekthejoy, all one word, at checkout to receive 15% off. So you know before we dive in to this week's episode, I have to share the iTunes review of the week and this week it comes from Adulting is Hard. Okay. Honestly, adulting is hard. Whoever you are, I'm on the same page. And it says, so great. In such a negative world, it's so refreshing to hear some positivity. Keep it up, Sid. Okay, adulting is hard. Can you message me? Because I want to know who you are. But thank you so much for this kind review and for taking a couple of seconds to rate and review us on Apple iTunes. If you've been enjoying this podcast, if a topic or a guest has had an impact on your life, or you just want to support me and support the podcast, I would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and review on 
Apple iTunes. If you do, just make sure to take a screenshot of your review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com because I want to say thank you. I'll send you my guide for infusing more joy into your life, which is totally based on these conversations, as well as a couple of Seek the Joy podcast stickers. And as always, to learn more about today's episode, you can head over to the show notes section of our website, seekthejoypodcast.com slash show dash notes, and everything is right there. Guys, Audrey and Vaque are honestly just getting started, and I can't wait to see what she does next, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Audrey. having me. This is so exciting. So I guess to start, um, I, people should know that I am uh, Vietnamese American and it, it almost feels like by default being Vietnamese American. Um, I grew up in the nail care industry um, just because it was so ingrained in my heritage. And, um, and so as such, every single nail salon that I would go to, it you know, it was a family member. Um, my mom worked there. A family member worked there. Eventually, they went to own their own salon. And so, even going away for college and coming home, I wouldn't come home and visit people in their homes. I would visit them at nail salons. And so, vague um, the meaning of the word is actually the journey home. And so, I felt that coming back into this industry is coming home to my heritage and coming home to nail salons is how I look at nail polish and this entire industry. And I guess that really sums up of who, it's really reflective of who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, someone who really cares about family and heritage and culture and just giving back to to that community. Yeah. Wow. I love how you've weaved in your core values of family, heritage, and culture into Vaque and its significance. And so when did you get started developing your own business? Because, you know, I think it takes a lot of courage and enthusiasm and excitement and that whole entrepreneurial journey can be so exciting, but also I think scary at times. And so at what point did you decide that this is something that I want to go off and, and do on my own too? You know, that's a really interesting question because I feel like having being an entrepreneur and having the idea that being an entrepreneur is scary is kind of relative. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because I remember it was like, you know, high school career day and the people and, you know, someone's like, oh, this is an entrepreneur. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really great. I want to be an entrepreneur one day, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was like, wait a minute, my parents are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, like I, it didn't, like when at high school career day, I remember like when it was explained to me what an entrepreneur was, it sounded so great and so awesome that I want to be an entrepreneur. But then when I step back to look at the reality of who is an actually an entrepreneur and those were my parents, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't really want to be an entrepreneur the way that they are being an entrepreneur because that's a lot of hard work, <laughs> you yeah, know, like that's yeah. a lot of, um, of things that's like, the the non-cool stuff about being an entrepreneur, you know, like the stuff that they don't sell you at a high school career day. And so I think of, um, I think of my parents and all the people 
that I know who are entrepreneurs and who are also Vietnamese-Americans. Um, Vietnam, I feel like, is very entrepreneurial, um, but I feel like places like Vietnam and people who come out of, um, you know, possibly, you know, third world countries, or I don't know if it's just only third world countries, but I think that they are entrepreneurs by default, or not by default, but by, um, they're forced to be entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? The, the country doesn't allow them um, an opportunity to do anything but become an entrepreneur. So for example, I have a cousin who, um, you know, grew up in Vietnam, went to school, and by the time he was going to school, this was in the um, uh, you know 80s, 90s, you know, mm-hmm. and so he's a little bit older than me, so he graduated, um, and this is like all post-war, and so he went to school, got a degree in nursing, and then um, wanted to apply to a hospital to be a nurse. But in order to be a nurse at a hospital, you kind of have to bribe your way for an interview and then bribe your way into a job, mm. which sounds very interesting because then that means that you're not being hired by your merit. It's, mm-hmm. You're being hired through uh, nepotism and and you know and just pure corruption. And so it really does take a toll on people who are young people who are inspired to go to school and do better and want to give back to their community because they absolutely can't. The system won't allow them to do that. So in a lot of ways, people, I guess, are forced to start their own businesses, right? Because that's mm-hmm. something that they can control. They have some control over things that they create, things that they, you know, put together and and the businesses that they create. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're trying to go through the system where you're, you know, go, going through the education system and then going through, you know, the hiring process, you know, people being fair to you, um, and if that's not happening, then you're kind of forced to become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so in the sense of people from Vietnam, I feel like my parents even, so they would have grown up like, you know, like during the war. And so it would have been an even more difficult time where education wasn't even even an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things that they kind of grew up with, you know, like you, you're kind of you're forced into being an entrepreneur, right? Coming to America, not knowing the language, you're forced into a business where you're kind of, you have to be an entrepreneur. So being an entrepreneur for me wasn't that bright and shiny, right? The idea of it at career day was so bright and shiny, but the reality was it of it was that it, you kind of have to do it because this, you don't have other choices. And so my process was that growing up, getting a job in corporate and get, having a salary that was set, I mean, that was like the American dream, right? Mm-hmm, I yeah. mean, um, that was like, that's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, like not having to worry about where my next paycheck is going to come from as long as I had a job that was direct deposit into my bank account. And so to go from that and moving into an entrepreneur mindset, it was really, um, I think, when my kids were born and I ended up becoming a stay-at-home mom for about five years. So also, I was also a stay-at-home mom um, in Singapore because we became expats. Um, and so I stayed at home in a foreign country. By the time mm-hmm. we came back to the United States, I decided I'm going to go back to work. And then I knew that I didn't want to just leave my kids and, you know, 
not make the work that I do worth my time and mm-hmm. fulfill, and it has to be fulfilling, right? It's not just about the money. And so I could go back to being a tech consultant, which I was prior to having kids. Before I went back to being a tech consultant, I decided I'm going to start. This is basically a good time to start a business. And, you know, I've played around with different ideas, you know, since high school career day, right? I mean, I've looked at so many different opportunities and, you know, things that I could could have made, like maybe I should make an app when everyone was making apps, you know, mm-hmm. like I just, just a whole bunch of things. But really when it came down to having kids, your life, I think is shifted and your thinking is shifted. And so my thinking shifted into not only is it that I wanted to build a business for myself, you know, and see what I made of, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's that challenge, but there's also as the story of my family being part of this nail care industry for decades and being part of a heritage that has transformed the landscape of nail care because mm-hmm. over 50% of, um, of nail professionals are of Vietnamese descent. Um, in America. I don't know what the percentage is, you know, outside of America, but mm-hmm. within the United States, it's over 50%. And so that heritage to me is something that I was thinking, how do I capture that for my own kids? Right. So right. it's almost like creating here's, you know, like mom's or grandma's, you know, favorite egg roll recipe or something. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is the this is a grandma's like egg roll recipe, but instead of giving you that, I'm going to give you like, this is what I think this legacy looks like. And this is what I'm packaged. You know, I'm just wrapping it all up as this brand and as a business so that one day I feel like my daughter, if she can understand what this means, you know, culturally, because although I'm Vietnamese and I speak Vietnamese, my husband is Chinese and we both of us have, you know, we're born and raised in America and we speak English at home. So my kids are, you know, they're not learning any, they're not learning a second language at home. They speak English. And so I feel like everything that like I have to all of a sudden celebrate every single holiday so that I can, you know, push culture onto them, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is how we celebrate Chinese New Year or this is how we celebrate you know, the moon festival and, you know, like, and, and normally I don't celebrate these holidays. Right. But I've been more mindful of celebrating it because of my kids. And so because of my kids and this heritage that I feel like I have to stay for them, yeah, that's kind of where vaguely like kind of was born because like I said, I've had like an entire lifetime of nail industry experience where I could have done this at any point of my life right but I didn't yeah because um because I didn't feel like it was I I needed to and then but having kids and thinking about what you want for them and what you want them to see you know in their future and like what their heritage Mm -hmm. and everything means I mean um that's a lot of that like comes back to to why I started Yeah. Oh, Audrey, I love this. And the path (laughs) that you've chosen to follow to really honor your family and your heritage and really 
preserve and share this with your kids and you've totally captured that legacy and your passion and your family's heritage into the bottles and the packaging and the messaging that you're putting out there. And I love how you likened it to passing down a family recipe or different elements of culture. And I think it's it's a really interesting topic and something that hasn't been discussed on this podcast yet because, you know, this is something that I can totally relate to also. So Going back probably like two or three generations, my family is from parts of Hungary and Russia, and they all came over and had difficulties with their journeys really Mm -hmm. coming to America and then being immersed in the greater American culture while still trying to hold on to their own individual culture and heritage. And as a family, we try to hold on to as many of our Jewish traditions and culture, you know, as we can. And it's been a little bit of a struggle and something that we've tried to, I guess, reckon with, which is how do you stay true to your family history and your heritage and want to celebrate that and remind yourselves of that and still be part of a greater culture. And so it's so wonderful to hear how that's what's, you know, really in part motivated you or or pushed you to fulfill your passions for your family and your heritage and and your culture and also a real passion for caring about people and putting products out there that are non-toxic and good for you and safe. And so it's really wonderful to hear how you've married the two. And I just so enjoyed hearing about the history behind the brand that you've created. And so you know, I imagine it wasn't necessarily an easy process getting to this point. Maybe your words are just way too kind to be. I mean, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think what's interesting about history too, is that, you know, it's history is being created now, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, like I basically, I mean, I lived through, I've never I mean, my mom got her license by the time I was kindergarten race. I was like five years old. And so I mm-hmm. can't remember before then when she wasn't doing nails. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. always knew like a Vietnamese person doing nails and they were always related mm-hmm. to me somehow, you know? So I have always known this part of it, right? And they, and of course, like that generation, that's not the heritage and the culture that they try to, um, you know, hold on to for me, right? They try to hold on to something that was like actually from Vietnam, right? But then I see that history and we are part of our heritage and our culture in our present day life, right? Mm -hmm. So as of today, however, the world is changing. I mean, history is currently being made right now. So I mean, I just basically put my foot down and said that this nail care culture is a heritage that I am a part of. Because like I said, like going into a nail salon is like going home, right? People there treat me like family. Most of the time they are my family. But, you know, (laughs) even when I'm in Seattle and I don't have family here, um, they treat me like family. And it could be, and they could even be like a non-Vietnamese nail salon and um, or not you know just professional nail artists of any of any background um, I feel like they're like a sister you know or like a brother to me right because 
um, mm-hmm. I grew up in, in that space. Yeah. And I love what you just said about history and how history is being created right now. And so I think part of that is really learning to balance, you know, the history of generations ago with the history we're creating, you know, in this moment, because for everyone that is going out on their own and creating something that they're excited and passionate mm-hmm. about, they're really playing a strong and instrumental role in creating the history that they really want to be part of. And so I would love to talk to you a little bit about that and about creating Vaquay. And so what has your creative process been like? You talked a little bit about where the name comes from, but how have you been able to create your colors and the names of those colors and at the same time really step out into this space with an emphasis on creating non-toxic products? I mean, I started this whole nail care business, I mean, with the idea of I needed to create for you know, for my family, right? So all the people that I know, all the mm-hmm. people who I know could use it. And that meant all of the moms that I've met, right? All the pregnant moms that I've met, you know, who have told me that they didn't feel, com- feel comfortable going to a nail salon because, um, because of the toxic, uh, the toxins in the, in, in most salons. And so mm-hmm. that was a concern that I've heard from, from pregnant mothers that I've, you know, had conversations with. And then, you know, just to think like, okay, if I was going to create a formula, I mean, I want a parent to be, to feel like it's safe enough to use on their own child. And so I felt like it was safe enough for me to use on my, on my daughter when she was like, you know, two years old. So um, yeah. I went through, um, you know, the formula, you know, like I combed through like all of the formula, uh, the ingredients in the formulation. And um, I don't know, it's just a lot of work. You don't know. I mean, I didn't know. I'm not a chemist, right? So, um, right. but I know to reach out to people who are and um, and look for industry experts. And, you know, like there's the internet these days, right? So then mm-hmm. you can almost find anything on the internet. It takes a lot of time and energy to like, look up, you know, ingredients and stuff to make sure that, you know, like everything is good and, and safe. But that's all time and energy that I felt was important to do in order to ensure that all of that is, you know, okay for pregnant mothers and, and like little girls. And then on the vegan side, my parents are actually uh, vegan themselves. And so I felt like for them to work at salon, they really shouldn't use products that, you know, have shellac, which is, you know, um, which is like a mm-hmm. animal, it's an animal byproduct. Um, it's a resin from a, from a bug, you know, in case people are wondering what shellac was. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just other ingredients that could be in uh, nail polish product that um that you know doesn't that's like the opposite of what they stand for right so Mm -hmm. i i felt like that was um my obligation you know just to my parents but you know for other people too and um and i don't want people who choose to be vegan to not want to you know go get their nails done anywhere because of the product i mean you should be able to get your nails done simply because you want to and then you don't it's not something you you need to think about right i mean so i mean i wasn't Doing it for to be part of some clean beauty movement, which we're seeing now. I mean, I just did it because those were my values, you know, that I care about. Like right. I care about all those with mothers and the uh, and the vegan community, you know. So, um, and you know, it's just one of those things where I feel like if you're going to make a cupcake and you don't add eggs and you don't add milk, then you know the cupcake is kind of funny. But 
for nail polish, if you don't add it, you know, it's okay. Kids, you know, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Oh, I love this analogy and I, it's so perfect. And I just love how you followed your passions and your values. And, you know, even though you didn't intend to be part of this clean beauty movement, you are absolutely part of it and you are setting the tone and the stage for higher and cleaner standards. And so, mm-hmm. so then how have you been able to come up with the names of of the colors. So the name of the color, um, I mean, I, I think a lot of nail polish that you see, um, you pick it up and it's very witty and it's, you know, there's like puns and stuff um, mm-hmm. that that's like, that's just a typical way of baby nail polish. And, you know, I don't think I'm necessarily a funny person, so I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I wasn't going to try to be somebody that I'm not. And so... What I feel like I kind of am is I'm I'm a traveler. I love traveling. I love, um, you know, going to places where, you know, like I could be looking at a building, but I could be looking at any building, right? Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting about one building versus another building is knowing the history and the art and the reason why this one particular building has so much um, historical value. But knowing why it is, is what I think it makes that particular piece interesting and, and inspiring. So to take mm. that concept into a nail polish collection, right? The very first collection, I felt strongly that I needed it to represent how this brand started from, you know, like just why mm-hmm. is it that there are so many Vietnamese people in nail care, right? And the reason is that I feel like it started with the entire culture of what Vietnam was to me, you know, like, so in my head, I think of it as being very French influenced, very Chinese influenced. All of those collectively makes Vietnam like what it is. And, um, and also like American influences. The very first collection was named after something very Vietnam pre, like pre 75, I guess would be, or like pre 77. Mm -hmm. I think everything but one maybe is French, um, Mm -hmm. is French translated, but every one of those names ties back to something that was happening at that time. So for instance, Follies, I think that's the only one I could think of that does not have a um, French translation, but Follies is a, you know, hot pink color because um, at the time, during the war, uh, there is something called Five O'Clock at the Follies at the Rex Hotel. The Rex Hotel is a famous hotel in Saigon. And Follies is, or like Five O'Clock at the Follies was this time period where the um, military would give their press briefing. Mm-hmm. And so all the press would go to the hotel and then the military would, you know, would do, you know, would just give them the news of the day. Mm-hmm. And because the Rex Hotel is significant, to like Saigon and Ho Chi Minh City, then I felt like something that's part of that um, that hotel should be included, and that I felt like because mm. it was included at that time, you know, that time period. Yeah. Another one, one of my favorites is um, I, I felt like I couldn't create the collection without it. It's uh, Lumiere, which basically was named after the the Ile de Lumiere. It's a French hospital boat. This is post-war. Vietnam has, um, you know, people have been fleeing the country, you know, as refugees. And there is this, you know, Vietnamese refugee crisis in the South China Sea. The person who I think started Doctors Without Borders, and they basically found um, this ship that called the Ile de Lumiere, and they 
turn either it was already a hospital boat or they turned it into a hospital boat. Mm -hmm. So then they put doctors into the South China Sea rescuing um, Vietnamese refugees, providing, um, you know, health care. Wow. And so they did this. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing, right? So I mean, I just felt like I couldn't have created a collection without including them, yeah. right? Yeah, of course. And I love how all of the colors are tied to this history and this heritage and it it absolutely gives it, you know, a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. So so then what is your favorite polish right now? Because I know you have more than one collection. So so what is your favorite polish um at um, the moment? Oh at the moment, um I don't know. At the moment I think it's the um the mauve blush. Mm. So mauve blush is a newer one. Um, so the first one, the first collection, like I said, that was very tied into culture because that was like the very first thing. And, you know, and I felt like this is where it all started. Right. Like that history is what started this heritage, this nail care heritage for me. And so later on, um, I mean, the collections are more, you know, through other places in um in the world, right? So like San Francisco has, you know, has one and like Seattle and our coffee culture has, you know, another collection, right? But mm-hmm. it's still deep and meaningful to me. It's just not as historically, you know, meaningful as right. as the other, right? Um but currently Moth Blush is my absolute favorite right now, uh, just because it's this cute, um, you know, millennial like pink yeah. Blush color, yeah. but also it's part of the J Crew collection um, that just launched in in March, and so that was that was kind of amazing. Um, yeah, we need to talk about this <laughs> incredible collaboration with with J Crew, and then what happened with Greta Gerwig at the Oscars. I mean, you really had some exciting things happen to you, you oh, know, since the start of the year. Um, so I mean, it was. It really started, I think, towards the end of last year. The beginning of last year, it felt like the universe was totally against me, right? Like, I couldn't get anything mm. done right. Like, packaging uh, was a disaster. Everything I did, everything I touched seemed like it was a nightmare. Um, and then, of course, summer came along, and I had um, other, you know, I just had more time. I had more, um, I had more focus. I had more resources. And so I started going out, you know, doing pop-ups and talking to people, walking into stores and talking to, um, telling my story, you know, where people didn't know about, you know, the, the backstory of the premiere collection originally. Um, and so just mm-hmm. getting out and telling people um, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Um, I mean, I think people really connected with it. Yeah. yeah so, um I feel like, honestly, that's all I did, <laughs> you know, was I just went out and I just, I created my story. I created my brand, but I didn't necessarily have um, the time to go and tell it and be like really talk, mm-hmm. you know, like use words and, you know, have the words in my mouth, you know, um, to other people because people would have to read it and then just reading it. I didn't write it properly. And so uh, anyway, it was just, it was just a lot of communication wasn't necessarily um, projected like online and on screen and on paper. And so by getting out in like a pop-up and talking to people, people really connected. And I connected with um, with the Madewell store here in Seattle to do a pop-up. And so the pop-up was 
like on a Friday, it was Friday morning of all of all times, right? It was Friday morning of all times. And I mean, the people who were coming in, I think, were um, like students and and moms. Um, and so I, you know, I told my story. I connected with some people. The store manager at Madewell actually um, put my name forward um, and the brand forward to their corporate buying office. Oh, wow. Because... J. Crew at the time was curating for beauty products because they rolled out beauty boxes into their stores in January. And so I kind of knew that something was going on, you know, with, with that. But um, you know, the chance I just I just think like the chances of them like picking a brand new, you know, company out of Seattle yeah. at the time I think I mean honestly at the time I did the main role pop up, I mean, I still don't have a whole bunch of following on on Instagram. Um, but um, at the time, I think I had like 300 max, like 200 maybe mm-hmm. people following yeah. me in October. And so I just, you know, like I don't think anything of it, right? That okay, yeah, you're gonna like push my name forward, but you're gonna see I have like 200 people following me on Instagram. So right, maybe, you, yeah, you know, I get it. Like, yeah, so maybe not, but. What's really interesting is that other buyers have told me that they actually don't look at those numbers. So, and that really, that was really um, like a huge confidence booster, you know, because that's always like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to be super popular, you know, for someone or like a buyer to yeah. want me, but that's actually not what they look at. They look at whether or not they think that you are, um, that your product fits with their store. And if it, if it's like sellable, right. If they could, they are the experts in selling and merchandising. And so if they believe that they can sell it, then that's all they need to know. Like they don't really Mm -hmm. look so much at your, um, at your social media following because they know that like for indie beauty and for, you know, new brands, it's not really, um, you know, it's not really a necessity. Right. Right. So that was like eye opening because that was also like very, like low confidence, you know, because every time you look at your social media feeds, like, oh, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be my friend. Yeah. I mean, it can really make you feel bad about yourself or make you believe that, you know, you don't have a chance to do certain things. But I love Mm -hmm. that you just shared that, you know, they don't necessarily look at the social Mm -hmm. media falling because I think so many of us, you know, that are just starting out and me included, I think we can feel intimidated or that maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, someone won't give us a chance because we don't have tens of thousands of followers and so I'm just really glad that you shared that because I think people need to hear it so um I mean I just really feel like I got really lucky you know that they put my brand forward at the right place and at the right time and so corporate J crew you know emailed me I had a call and the next thing I know I you know like there's a PO that's open and now I have to fill it and so and I think that the minute that I was able to get my foot in the door um, with that first email when they reached out, um, I feel like that's when all of my corporate, you know, um, experience as a tech consultant kicked in, right? And I would have to know, like, what is my project timeline? You know, like all the things that, um, that I need to know and they need to know as well, right? And so, um, and then just balancing that relationship between, um, you know, keeping them happy and keeping them, you know, high level confidence, you know, that, okay, I'm small and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to deliver on this. Yeah. It's been, um, it was just this amazing opportunity. And, um, and yeah, so I knew that like 
I had to do whatever it took to to make it happen. But yeah, that was super exciting, super stressful, but you know, like in the most yeah, like the best like adrenaline rush like ever, you know. Yeah. It's just super amazing. Yeah. I mean, I can honestly only imagine. I mean, what an amazing opportunity and experience. And then okay, so then what was it like to see Greta Gerwig wear your polish at the Oscars? Because I know it was a whole process of sending your polish to different nail mm-hmm. technicians and artists for the Oscars. So then once you saw that she was actually wearing Vague I mean, what was that experience like? How did you feel in that moment? I don't know. I mean, it was very, um, it, I was very like numb, you know, like I just yeah. thought like, I mean, like I, so before she like was on the red carpet, the manicures actually sent me a photo like as if she's wearing it, you know, and I was just like, oh my God, like this is, yeah. this is crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, like so surreal. Yeah, I'm sure, it's absolutely surreal. But um, so then I just felt like I felt like I was like right there, you know. Um, I was not the manicurist who yeah. who did her nails, right? But um, I felt like I was right there, um, you know, with the colors and you know, um, and I just felt like all the people who were involved in creating the product getting it fulfilled, you know, like just everybody yeah. like of in my entire lifetime that like, you know, made Vagway possible. I mean, we were just like sitting right there. And so I was really numb, you know, thinking about that. Like, I don't think anyone else, <laughs> you know, yeah. who helped me with Vagway, like, you know, thought that, you know, but I just think this is for me because it's an entire lifetime of helping women like pick colors from the shelf and and you know and just like oh we ran out of this color so what should we do and then like you know come up with like creative yeah thing you know just just an entire lifetime of those experiences and that culture and that tribe to me it's just all wrapped up in like this little moment that mm-hmm. was like I'm so numb that like I can't believe she's yeah because it was really I was really nervous because like okay i give you a nail polish, you're going to see her, but you know, like what if, you know, the stylist or like Greta or whoever, like they, like, I don't have enough range of colors, right. That they want to choose from and they're not going to use, you know, like I don't have the right colors and so they're going to have to go use another color, um, you know, from another brand. Right. So, um, so that always happened. Right. And, and when it didn't happen and they used fake way, it was just like, Oh, this is, you know, it was great. Yeah. You know, you're, I was nervous about her wearing it and then that she might not wear it. But then when she wore it, then I got nervous again. You know, like I was numb, but then I was numb in a good way and I was nervous and I was nervous in a good way, right? Because then it was like, oh, what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah, because then it's real, right? It's real and it's out there and people are yeah. now exposed to Vaquay and your story. And I can imagine that was probably yeah. part of the trepidation and the fear. Yeah. But how cool though and what an exciting end of 2017 Uh, and beginning of 2018 that you've really been having thank you started when my daughter was like just turned one and now she's just about to turn four so it's I don't know so she's growing up with it yeah and she's um and it's funny because then she's like she she wants to help mommy with nail polish you know she wants to put the little ball in like 
the bottle. <laughs> oh, I love this. So you're really doing, yeah. you know, exactly what you set out to do, which is to have this be about family and heritage and culture and passing it yeah. down. If my kids, you know, never work at Bakeway, you know, in their future, I mean, I don't know how I would feel about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but more importantly, like, I feel like I would have captured what this, heritage means to me that I can give to them right and so just having them know that there was this hospital boat that existed you know and did this amazing thing right I mean Mm -hmm. that that's everything right like that totally yeah oh I love this I love (laughs) this so then what are some things that you do in your life to Mm -hmm. bring you joy or how do you infuse joy into your day-to-day life Um, I do have a lot of joy in my life. And I think it's really, you know, appreciating what you have, right? Just like I mentioned about like old buildings and when you travel, mm-hmm. you can't enjoy your travel if you don't know what to appreciate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in your everyday life, you have to know what is worth appreciating, right? So if, if it's, you know, oh, my kids ran over and, you know, woke me up really early, you know, this morning, you know, I don't. I try not to bicker about, you know, oh, it's like not even seven or not even like, you know, six yet and you're awake, but it's really that, oh, you're awake, but you're cuddling with me, you know, and this is like the best thing. So, um, so the kids are healthy and they're happy, right? I mean, that's all and they're safe. And so it's like, do I need anything else? Not really, right? Um, I don't really look for, um, there's not, there's not a whole lot that I'm looking for, you know, I, I'm looking to yeah. business that I want to um, to create and, and kind of see take off and take flight, you know, kind of thing. But even if that like disappears tomorrow, I mean, it would be heartbreaking, but it's not the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah. Because my family is, is just so much more important, right? And then to, oh, and so and to incorporate the joy in my life, right? It's making time for them, right? So I balance what I do by picking up my kids from school, by talking to them in the car and by focusing on them when, you know, when it matters. Right. And then when it's time for them to go play, then they go play and I go do work. Right. But um, we share things together. We share an experience, you know, we share a life together. And that goes the same with like my husband and with friends, you know, so even with friends, I do try to uh, book time to see friends that I haven't seen in a long time, especially now that everyone has children of their own and, you know, a very busy work schedule. Yeah, just making time for people uh, who matter in your life, I think is what's really important. And if you can just take the time to do that and be mindful of that, I feel like that's true joy, right? Because I don't feel like I have to speak. I don't have to look for it. It's already incorporated in my life. And so I'm a pretty happy person. Yeah, definitely. And I love your perspective. So I have to ask you the question that um, I ask everyone that comes on Seek the Joy podcast, which is, what would you say is your biggest dream? Honestly, I feel like, like I said, like to appreciate and to have joy, like I really appreciate and and feel like I have everything I need right now. But I don't know, to dream of what Bakeway, I guess, would be like, you know, in the future. I mean, I would love to see Bakeway like be showcased more so as like a museum look that you look at it through the, the lens of this historical perspective. 
versus, mm-hmm. you know, this, this product and this brand, you know, like, I like to see that, but I don't know if that would be like the greatest, biggest goal, right? Again, because I feel like the biggest goal for me as a person would be like just to make sure my kids, you know, grow old, right? Yeah. So yeah. So there's like there's the business goal, and then there's like the person's goal, right? And the person's goal is that if my if I can grow old with my husband, and we can raise our kids to be responsible and um, and happy people. Um, I mean, is there there anything else? No, I think that's beautiful. I love that. And you know, what's so wonderful about dreams is that they can shift and grow and change over time. And Audrey, I just have loved having this conversation with you. And it has been so wonderful to learn about the connection between history and culture and (laughs) the meaning infused into your company. So where can everyone find Vayquay and get more involved? You can find Vayquay online at Vayquay. You could go to J.Crew and get the spring version of, um, oh, by the way, the J.Crew colors match their uh, bras and underwear that they just launched. So Mm. you could get matching nail polish and matching bras and panties at J.Crew. And then there's just, you know, other salons and um, small boutiques, you know, around Seattle. There's Southern California. There's just, you know, we're expanding. So, so yeah. Perfect. And I'll include everything in the show notes for today's episode so that everyone can find you and find Vayquay. And thank you so much again, Audrey. This was great. Thank you so much, Disney.